Hello, everyone, and welcome to COVID-19 Fraud Tactics Targeting Business Payments. I'm Chris Gerda, Risk and Fraud Prevention Officer with Bottom Line Technologies. Thank you for joining us today. Wanted to take everyone through some of the things that Bottom Line is seeing with COVID-19, some of the industry standards and tactics that we see fraudsters trying to do, and break those down to actionable strategies that you can take back to your organization hopefully gain some new skills and knowledge about them. So jumping right in, we wanna check our agenda here, going through the common types of fraud schemes affected by COVID-19. We're also then gonna look at, you know, investigating some of the payments that may be to entities associated with COVID-19, such as your PPE vendors. And then finally, you know, what technology solutions are out there today and how can you leverage existing technology solutions to be more effective in blocking fraudulent payments in this unprecedented time? We really want to specifically also dive into some of the behavioral analytics uh, in this work from home environment that we find ourselves in. People aren't sitting at their desks, they're working on different computers and different devices and how we can leverage that to a positive and stay ahead of the fraud. And then finally, just to summarize some of the things that we've learned so far. So COVID-19 has not so much created a new type of fraud, but rather it has been able to give new different leverage points and social engineering tactics to existing types of fraud. Business email account compromise, one that is definitely on the rise where they are hacking into existing emails for businesses and emailing their payers to misdirect funds. So in a financial institution world, that's you're gonna see payments to new payees, to bank account updates. We're also seeing a definite rise in account takeover attempts and account takeovers successfully uh, due to the increased malware phishing attempts related to COVID-19, getting people to click on links. And then finally, we'll look at fraudulent and imposter vendors. So many different institutions are looking to pay, oftentimes in an urgent way specific to receive PPE or in general, just to keep their business afloat. Um, so we see a lot of different types of fraudulent vendors popping up, trying to intercept payments. And then finally, social engineering, which is more like the broad umbrella that overarches all three of these. What fraudsters are saying to create the urgency, opportunity, and the pressure on accounts payable organizations at corporations to get them to make those payments, which ultimately will go to a mule account or uh, it funneled around. So it makes it even harder to get those funds returned. So just looking broadly across the industry, there are many articles out there that you can find um, is relation to the anticipated loss, losses, what's going on, and it is also ever-changing. Uh, right now, looking at some of the government statistics, you know, 13.4 million lost to co coronavirus-related fraud. It's not including those massive losses for uh, payments for uh, the payment protection plans, as well as uh, unemployment benefits and the identity fraud that goes along with that. Then you see the rise in ransomware payments reported by businesses in the first quarter of 2020. 
where there are more malware links and more key loggers and more spam going out that's uh, effective you will see the increase of systems being affected by ransomware on the right is a survey from the association of certified fraud examiners uh, specifically to people in the fraud industry and what they're seeing on the ground so they're seeing an increase in phishing and they expect a, a in, in many seeing a significant increase almost half business email compromise definitely an increase in what they're seeing some even saying significant um, and then also you're thinking of the people that are doing the right things in today's day and age and they're donating to charities and fundraising to help those in need and fraudsters are also trying to get in the middle of those payments as well general overall industry increase that bubble is still ever expanding um, so it's definitely something that we'll have to remain vigilant against for at least the remainder of 2020. So moving into bank account takeovers specifically and what we might see here, it's very statistic based and fraudsters are working on the numbers. So Google would release some uh, information about 240 million COVID related daily spam messages are blocked. So that's on a daily basis. So they're consistently trying to keep those bad emails out of our inbox, just as an overwhelming number, but ultimately they make it through. And a single week in April, 18 million malware and phishing emails related to COVID-19 also reported. So those are your more malicious based ones. The ultimate goal here, compromise usernames and passwords from corporations, or anyone with a business account particularly to get in the middle of that payment. And by doing that, to get them to click their impersonating our government entities, to try and entice people to get information. They're also going insofar as creating campaigns specific to the situation we're in. So for instance, uh, people are getting emails that look as if they're from their employer saying because of COVID-19, we need you to re-update some of your information. Click here for your payroll. We're updating things. So it's very important that internally financial institutions remain strong and solid in their own internal processes and procedures, but also to remind their corporate customers to stay vigilant in these particular times. And that will ultimately result in hopefully less impact downstream if accounts payable departments maintain a procedure-based process for vetting vendors, approving payments that doesn't break down in this particular environment we're in. So I wanted to give some really good actionable intelligence for investigating a bank account takeover. We're by and by far behavioral analytics are one of the most critical types and ways to aid you in investigating this activity. So you have your new payee alert rules that everyone is really set up with in some way, shape or form. Reviewing that beneficiary in and of itself, Googling them, did they just pop up? You know, where is this, where are the funds going? Making sure that your corporate customer has exercised their due diligence processes if you call out and ask them uh, you know how did they 
is this payment legitimate? It looks like it's going to a new payee and it was an after hours payment initiation. And I, we've never actually seen you submit a payment at two in the morning. Uh, specific, your corporate customer may also have logged in from a new IP address or device. And what we're seeing is in the work from home environment, yes, they're on a new device, particularly maybe a home computer or a different IP address than you know them um, previously. One of the strategies that I use is comparing all of the users on a corporate membership uh, uh, or an account, the larger it is, the better, more of them logging in. You can kind of get a sense of that IP geolocation. Uh, are they VPNing in and they're all actually using the same IP still? So that's important to understand. And also the payment velocity, right? Many of our rules are designed to detect single payments over a certain amount, but payment velocities to a vendor that they previously would pay once a month and then it goes up to three times a week. It could be that that corporate customer may have their bank account compromised and those payment initiations may or may not be um, correct. Another thing to look for, and this is set around that principle of least privilege where user can submit a wire or submit an ACH, but then another user has to actually approve that. So you have that dual control in place. What fraudsters are doing is adding other users to membership and using those secondary users and having access to both of them so that they can submit a payment with one and approve it with the other one. I like to look specific at the device information there. So if you have two different users using the same device fingerprint or the same uh, browser cookie, that's definitely an instance of potential credential sharing and or potential account takeover certainly warning a call out to uh, see what's going on. So I hope those were some pretty good strategies for account takeovers, albeit a little bit quick. So moving into the fraudulent vendor space. So this is your brand new payee. You're looking at a payment and you're, you're wondering, does this vendor actually exist? So what we're seeing in the relation to medical type of devices and PPE and coronavirus tests um, are a lot of different scenarios. One of them being middlemen popping up to act as brokers in the, in the center of a transaction. So that's when someone's gonna buy PPE in bulk and then resell it for a profit to someone else. Those type of middlemen are really hard to vet um, and, and makes it difficult. Also, it's it's hard for our corporate customers of financial institutions to maintain that same level of vigilance in a work from home environment. And it's especially relative to, to callbacks. So making sure if you're communicating with them about a payment you find to be suspicious, did you talk to that vendor? What phone number did you talk to them on? You know, really good way to slow it down and be a good partner. And I think also encouraging you in reading those government notices that are coming out by the dozens from different agencies all with really good information and then making that available to clients and pushing that message that's more about the culture in departments to make sure that everyone remains um, vigilant and that complacency doesn't set in so some of the red flags for fraudulent vendors we are seeing is when you're working on that partnership with your corporate customer about a payment and you're getting the contact information they use to communicate with that ultimate beneficiary that they might be paying, looking at that phone number, does that thing 
correlate to the business or geographic area where that ultimate end payee is. And that's one of the red flags that we see pretty often. If they're trying to be very uh, crafty, they, the fraudster may have created a new email domain or a new web URL for the entity that they've created to then defraud customers. I think also it's important to ask um, on any payment if delivery of goods, especially as it's related to personal protective equipment, was actually received. So if someone's actually taking the goods in and they have them and they know that they're legitimate, that gives you a lot of comfort in the payment itself. Uh, if it's going to that middleman or very hard to verify business. So there's a few other very uh, good ones up there. When you're working with a corporate customer in relation to that suspicious payment, how contact was originated, uh, worrying about the limited online presence of the vendor that just received the million dollar payment. Again, looking at that middleman mentality that they're harder to verify. And I would definitely, you know, always try and navigate to the websites specifically. So if you see, you know, this is the vendor link that I used to click on and you're in that communication, making sure that you go direct to the site rather than through uh, links and email are important. And finally, I wanted to mention the, the fraudulent charities that we touched on earlier. There are a couple of different places to start to verify the legitimacy of charities. You have the National Association of State Charity Officials. You also have GuideStar, both online resources, free, um, that will give you some insight and clarity into each of the charities. Is it real? Is it fake? Um, is it, did it just start? Things like that, that are really helpful in understanding. Uh, and then finally, always COVID-19 or not type of payments, watching for that piggybacking similar names, Doctors Without Borders, Borderless Doctors, as an example of a, a way that fraudsters like to play with words to make their entity look as if it's one that's legitimate, where it is not. One of the things that we see in beneficiary investigations, or if you're an accounts payable department, you're looking at a vendor specifically that you want to pay again is that phone implausible might actually even drill a little bit further in that critical thinking aspect of the investigation you know the beneficiary bank if it's a small institution nowhere near the business and you might wonder why they're actually banking there that's at times on a very large payment uh, it can be a sign of a mule account um, that's been taken over to just funnel that payment away also, when you're communicating with a corporate customer about a payment, you know, asking how they came into contact with that middleman or broker or that brand new vendor for this payment, what we've found at bottom line is they've been very open to discussing um, the, this particular subject because everyone is actually operating in that heightened sense of vigilance. So you can actually uh, pull that IP address from the original HTTP header if that uh, vendor in question or beneficiary in question initiated contact with them via email saying, hey, we have PPE available. Are you interested? And maybe see where that actual IP address really leads. And again, that um, domain for the web URL being recently created is also a, you know, definitely a piece to pay attention to. So, and 
would not be a good comprehensive presentation for everyone's benefit if we didn't go into BEC fraud a little deeper. So with business email account fraud, what are they, what's causing those scams that we're familiar with to slip by in a COVID-19 environment? Urgency is one of them. The second one is definitely empathy. Um, they, they are impersonating existing relationships to try and misdirect a payment. So the fraudsters are saying, I'm working from home. I have my kids. I don't have that phone number anymore. It's my, my company doesn't give me access to my regular phone at my laptop. So I have to use this one. It gives them a lot of excuses, a lot of social engineering uh, angles. So it's important um, to recognize that. And when you're communicating with a customer about a potential fraudulent payment, you identified an alert to ask those type of questions understand you know how they came to be and really it, it's going to uh it's going to prevent loss downstream uh, the 301 million dollars that we see lost a month in bec fraud in the united states that's uh, a value that comes from the fincen star statistics and, and a significant increase over the past several years it just this is where fraudsters are gravitating to because it is one of the largest paydays that they could actually uh, pull out of an account. The FBI also pulling a, a recent release as well on BC scams, giving out some information on how to investigate, identify, and uh, you know remediate them. Unfortunately, if you, if you get to that piece. So, looking at BEC fraud, how will you find it? Where will it appear in an alerting system and, and different ways to investigate it? So I think what financial institutions are doing is they're serving as valuable partners to provide change management process oversight for accounts payable departments and their customers, ultimately. And definitely a myriad of rules and layers of rules not just to look at a single payment over a certain amount repetitive payments on the same day it's um odd to see the repetitive payment piece it could be because they didn't get a payment you get a second payment and also you want to look out to 30 60 90 days uh, on aggregation of payments to vendors over time um, that may not fit the pattern that they used to, again, previously pay that vendor at. And it could be because they're submitting additional invoices, or, or it could be because there's actually a, a BEC compromise going on. Investigating the vendor, in, in, and you do that really in partnership with the customer, the corporate customer initiating the payment. You know, what kind of steps were there made? What phone number contact was there made? Um, and really researching into that contact information and even having emails forwarded to, to check it out and, and be a good partner really help understand if a, a payment for a million dollars is fraudulent. One of the things that we find is that uh, account reconciliation is really the ultimate final stage of detecting fraud. And at many times, larger accounting departments and corporations aren't reconciling uh, at a speed that is conducive to actually getting the funds back before they make that hips the the quick jump overseas many of the payments actually landing in the united states first on their first stop from a bec fraud before then 
transferring uh, out of country. So 30 days too long, um, shorter time frames, much more likely to be able to receive the funds back before they cross borders. So finally, uh, and to wrap things up, I wanted to point out a couple of different takeaways it, that COVID-19 is really given new angles attack for the same standard fraud schemes. The process and partnership between financial institution and their corporate customer in digging into the vendor due diligence, whether that be a new payee or whether it's a BEC fraud related where an account number changed on an existing payee they've been paying for a while is, is critical. And it's definitely at the forefront of combating the increase in fraud in COVID-19 is making more callbacks and communicating with customers proactively as well and, and not reactively and getting to those things fast. Next, really having a multi-pronged payment strategy and catching those things that are one-offs over a certain amount, repetitive payments, payments over a certain period of time, and even maybe going into your keyword lists for some of your payment monitoring so you can actually add certain keywords if they're on a swift message in the bank to bank details or details of payment for a wire transfer you could search out the word covid review those ones particularly with a, a higher level of due diligence and sample if there's many of them and really taking behavioral analytics of your corporate customers and using those to aid you in your investigation if there's an account takeover or not. Behavioral analytics from a work from home environment, you've been gathering those things into systems for many months now, and hopefully there's enough due diligence and behaviors of your customers in a work from home environment. At this point, that you can adequately investigate a potential account takeover, but that doesn't always mean to or be the case. So callbacks are really important. These can help you and giving your customers a proactive touch point now to log into the applications and the corporate banking platforms, make sure all their information is up to date. is really critical for you getting visibility into their work from home life that will protect them from account takeovers in the future. And that really goes right into adapting to a work from home environment. It's absolutely possible, um, both from an investigations perspective as well as a monitoring perspective. And corporations really are relying on financial institutions to play uh, a piece of that puzzle. And then last but not least, never forget um, your people. Uh, complacency, vigilance must be maintained. It's really what fraudsters are seeking to exploit in the current environment. They don't have a new secret sauce to intercept payments, but they do have a new reason to try and create the opportunity and the pressure and the urgency that causes a fraudulent payment to go out. So with that, I appreciate everyone's time. I hope you took some useful tidbits and strategies from this presentation that you can use with your organization and how you communicate with your corporate customers to uh, decrease and combat some of the fraud schemes that we've seen with the COVID-19 fraud. Thank you for your time today and I appreciate uh, everyone's patience 